This week was a week of action, of decisions. Uh, President Biden signed the bipartisan gun safety legislation. The Supreme Court handed down its ruling on Dobbs. We'll talk about it all. You're listening to Where is the Love? This is Where is the Love? I'm Michael Weir. I'm Alyssa Weir. And uh, hey, we have a lot to talk about. It's been, uh, I mean, it's been a busy day, it's been a busy week. Uh, a lot of what we've been waiting for and talking about potentially happening in previous episodes happened this week. Yeah, there was a happening. And um, very confusing very sort of conflicted the events you know Mm -hmm. a bipartisan uh gun safety bill passes the same week that the supreme court strikes down uh gun control legislation happens at the same time uh basically at the same time that uh the supreme court rules on perhaps the most divisive issue in our politics. Like, it's just a lot of different emotions, a lot of different sort of political impulses. Like, our politics just received a lot of inputs uh, this week. And so we'll try and sort through them a bit on this episode. Um, We spent most of the day apart because... I was home with La, yeah, and you and Sirsha. By the way, I forgot to tell you, but uh, what? When I put Sirsha down, uh, Alaria or no? When I put Sirsha down, she was she was very glad to spend just a mommy daughter day. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so you That's drove up to Pennsylvania. I did for Sirsha's very first birthday party of a friend i mean she's a pandemic kid it's a milestone it's a milestone she was so excited the past four weeks for it she bought a card a month ago a singing Minnie mouse card (laughs) was so hyped for this thing for the last four weeks she (laughs) she literally made her little friend open it up before she even started opening up the gifts was like you need to open my card (laughs) so searsha opens up and it's it's just you know the happy birthday song with Minnie. And Saoirse oh. had opened it up for her like four times. Her poor friend was like, yeah, that, I mean, that's pretty cool. But Saoirse was like, this is <laughs> the greatest thing you will ever see. Here's what I do. And then she would open the card and her friend would be like, yeah, yeah, okay. Oh, that's great. That is so amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <That's> <laughs> Best birthday ever. That's Saoirse in a nutshell, getting very excited about life. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's good. Uh, La and I had... An elaborate nap time this afternoon, which was oh, much diver- uh, much oh. deserved. Yeah, yeah. Larry loves a good snug, loves a good nap. And uh, and yeah, then we had well pasta date night. Yeah. I, ma- I made that swordfish sauce that yeah. you told me you want to eat. I will so not eat fish sauces. No, La La and I just uh, enjoyed that. So it's been a it's been a good day, and I've been I've been reading. I've been reading just. A ton, and mm-hmm. so I've been trying to pack in some some research 
Uh, and then I've been trying to keep up on the news. You know, this mm-hmm. this uh, this morning. So, gosh, three four weeks ago, Political asked me if I provide a statement for um, for an article that they do with, I think it ended up being 18 or so thinkers, policy folks, advocates um, to release right after Dobbs. And so I, I did that. It was nice to have a little bit of lead time and not, you know, uh, usually when news breaks and you're asked for a statement, it's like, you know, I need it in a half hour, but, um, but, in part because folks anticipated that the Alito draft would basically hold up, which ended up being the case. Uh, I uh, provide that statement. I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that. First, let's just get to the hard facts of the news. The Supreme Court handed down its decision 6-3. So it was um, Thomas wrote the opinion, I'm sorry, Alito wrote the opinion, uh, Thomas, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, Barrett, and then Roberts had a, had a concurrence, um, uh, held in their ruling, quote, the Constitution does not confer a right to abortion. Roe and Casey are overruled, and the authority to regulate abortion is returned to the people and their elected representatives. An absolutely historic ruling, any way, any way you, you look at it, it will be a, a ruling that is in the history books. Uh, it will be a decision uh, that is studied and talked about for decades to come, like some of, I mean, like Roe, uh, like Casey, like some of the other historic Supreme Court cases over the the, the decades and the centuries. Um, Melissa, we've put out a bunch of content. I mean, in the show notes, I wrote an essay for the Substack, reclaiminghope.substack.com, that argued a number of things. One overarching sort of theme was that some of the sting and the power of pro-choice arguments that sort of accompanied Roe and sort of the the latter half of the 20th century were starting to feel stale in the 21st. We'll put the political statement uh, in in the Substack. Um, but Melissa, I think like the, the main thing I wanted to talk about was, and I argue this in the political statement, but it seems so um, unthinkable right now that this decision might be an occasion to move beyond the issue of abortion in our politics, to reject sort of zero-sum decisions, because this feels very uh, zero-sum to a, a lot of folks, and I understand that. What what I 
argued in Politico and what I've argued for quite some time is, uh, and now Dobbs sort of occasions it, uh, which is, look, Democrats really have two ways to respond. One is to make a sort of performative push for legislation that would, for the Women's Health Protection Act, which we've talked about on previous shows, um, it would be performative because they they know it won't pass Um, uh, and basically kick the can down the road and make it an election issue, try and raise money off of it. And try and make the case that, hey, if you elect enough Democrats, we'll codify this. Of course, the problem with that has been the problem with this entire term for Democrats in Congress, which is uh, it is unthinkable, uh, certainly in the next two years. And I think beyond that, uh, that Democrats are going to get 60 votes in the Senate. Now, potentially, maybe Susan Collins or Murkowski, if... If the pressure gets hot enough, would vote for something like a Women's Health Protection Act uh, if that was sort of their their only choice. Um, but it, but but again, that requires Democrats also picking up the, the an additional eight seats to make Collins and Murkowski's votes uh, a matter in light of uh, the filibuster. The other choice that I argue for, the other path forward is one that's in line with President Biden's career. It's in line with the facts of, of, of reality. Of, it's in line with the actual circumstances right now, which is that as of the Dobbs ruling, there is no federal ab- legal regime for abortion. Like abortion rights have with very few exceptions, you know, like we, we could talk about, you get into definitional arguments about plan B and all kinds of stuff, but but basically all abortion rights issues are now at the state level, which means that we'll have a patchwork of state laws. Well, I mean, frankly, we already do at this point. I mean, Dobbs is, Dobbs is in effect, and we've already seen states move forward with, with their laws. Um, There is the real opportunity that, to me, you know, just my my opinion, makes sense both practically and politically from the Democratic perspective, from the pro-choice perspective, um, which would be lower your sights from the Women's Health Protection Act which wouldn't have just codified Roe, would have gone well beyond what Roe requires. And instead, establish a new baseline, a new floor, a federal floor for abortion rights. One that is more in line with what abortion laws look like uh, in much of Western Europe. And by doing that, you hold the real potential in large part because such a policy would be in line with the where the majority of Americans want abortion laws to be. You have the real opportunity um, to, um, 
move abortion out of the center of our politics. It has been a major frustration of my life. It has been a major frustration of our politics generally, of so many people, of so many elected officials, of so many uh, uh, activist groups for other causes, um, that abortion has taken up so much of the oxygen in our political debates. And big reason for that is because 50 years ago, the Supreme Court uh, basically enacted a legal regime around abortion outside of congressional action and took that decision. Like, like I do think this is like a correct claim from pro-life. They took the claim out of the hands of uh, sort of the democratic legislative process. And I think many people pro-life and pro-choice would say in hindsight, certainly now in the wake of Dobbs, that that was a mistake. Um, so, so, so Melissa, that, that is what, it, it certainly didn't seem like that's what we're going to see from President Biden, even though, again, legislation he's voted for in the past would, uh, you know, approximate the basic approach. Certainly, his rhetoric around abortion for most of his career would seem compatible with the approach I just laid out. Senator Tim Kaine uh, there, there's been some reporting that Tim Kaine is working with uh, um, Murkowski, uh, the Republican uh, in in the Senate, around um, you know something short of Women's Health Protection Act. It will be interesting to see if they try and revive that effort in the wake of Dobbs. Um, but but um, all of the incentives and drive in our politics right now. Um, will be to respond to what is taken by pro-choice folks to be, you know, a uh, with with like reason, you know, a um, you know a roundhouse kick like like a like a like a, a zero sum you know forceful offense and to respond to that offense um, with dramatic zero-sum sort of response on your own. I would just say like we've had 50 years of that. And um, abortion politics has not been uh, put to bed in this country. It has made it so that building coalitions around other issues is so much more difficult. Making progress on other issues is more difficult. And so maybe, maybe this is an opportunity for the American people and for elected officials who represent them to do what they didn't do 50 years ago um, and stop deferring to the courts on this issue and actually put in place a, a policy that has the chance of being sustainable and not, and, and not driving all of the money and vitriol and precarity that our politics has seen because of this issue over the last 50 years. Yeah. Um, uh, for me, it just was something that you said. It's, it struck me. Um, something I've been, you know, just observing over the last couple, well, honestly, what, 36 hours? 
um, since this is since um, this overturn, um, this decision is I noticed quite a few people saying um, it, like notable, like I can't. It's come up a bunch of times when I've been reading various things of um, I can't believe you know so many you know. Uh, Democratic groups or Democrats themselves are sending out fundraising emails, and that seems to be the only response. And good part of me is like, well, that is how, especially the last 20, 30 years, that is exactly how, how that's like, that's like the playbook. That's that's how our politics currently works. Like, what you, you know, what you're saying is like, you know, Democrats could either, you know, tried to pass something that lowers expectations of the Women's Health Protection Act and, you know, actually get something passed or, you know, they're going to do something symbolic um, and then try to raise money off of it. And it's like, it seems like so far, it seems like raising money off of it seems to be the only answer. And the amount of people sort of saying like, wait, this seems really shallow to me. And it's like, yeah, no, no, no. That is the vapidity of like our, (laughs) of our politics. Like that, that is a response that I would expect. Um... And people questioning, like, you know, they've had a good month, however long it has been since the leak of Alito's opinion, you know, with the idea that, hmm, what if this is actually true and what will, you know, be what it will be? Um, And how if they only come up with fundraising emails to send out within the first few hours. Um, It it, it just, it strikes me as just... I guess interesting. I'm like, I'm not trying to sit here on my high horse saying this or anything like that, or that um, uh, I'm smarter than anybody who's making this observation. But um, I, I think it's just an interesting thing to point out for for folks listening um, as to sort of like the machinations of like just how shallow even the most divisive, controversial policy and legal issue that we have on our plate can play out at least on one side yeah i mean there's been a lot of shallowness uh, across the political spectrum in response uh, yes. to this oh, um, yes that's why i say it specifically yeah. just on on that one yeah on that but uh <laughs> you know i think um part of it is there is a real there are some real limitations around what can actually be done? Now, I know, you know, Senator Elizabeth Warren, uh, Congresswoman uh, Casio-Cortez uh, have put out what, what they think are some actions that can be taken. But, you know, I, 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 I do think, you know, we're 36 hours out. Yes, this people saw this decision coming. I do think... Um, it's a hard thing to know what, what to respond, uh, how to respond, especially if you're if you're if you're pro-choice. Um, uh, but um, so so yeah, I mean, I just think it's um, uh, the other thing is, you know, I th- I think there's a lot of polling going on. I think there's a lot of oh, yeah. a lot of waiting to see. You know exactly what happens as the dust are. settles. Mm-hmm. Exactly how angry people are, um, and so we'll see. You know, I I also think it may be responsible. You know, so both can be true. the The Biden White House could. 
be in a position where they don't want to concede anything on the policy level, but they also think centering abortion um, through their actions, it's already centered. I mean, the Supreme Court decision, mm-hmm. it's going to be very, very hard to like um, not have it be uh, really relevant in November. But um, it could be that the Biden White House is deciding that it would be counterproductive even to their policy aims to sort of center it politically. Of course, Biden gave up a, a national speech from the White, you know, from the White House uh, uh, about it. But, um, you know, today he was uh, he was taking other action, which we'll talk about. Uh, and so so yeah, I, I, I will. We'll, uh, we'll 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 see what the responses look like. Again, it does not look promising from uh, from Biden's speech that there will be some sort of a big uh, um, uh, legislation that will pass because it doesn't seem like Democrats are interested in putting forth something that could pass. But let this settle in, and we'll we'll see what Tim Kaine does. I'm very interested mm-hmm. to see if if Kaine decides. Do you know what? Like this is, um, this this is, I, I you know I, I'm someone with the with the stature to, um, and the fortitude to to do what others are are not willing to do. Um, of course, for those who don't know, Keynes had a long history with the issue of abortion. He was uh, pro-life even during the 2016 campaign. Kane supported Hyde. Kane um, was actually a, a, a Jesuit missionary for uh, some time early in his life. Um, and, and so he, he has an interesting interesting background. He's, you know, he's so so yeah so that'll be interesting to to see melissa so as all of this is sort of going on it was so disorienting to to me to see after weeks of gun safety legislation of the bipartisan process in the senate be at the you know absolute center stage mm-hmm. of our politics mm-hmm. For the bill to be actually moving towards votes, and again, it's it's understandable. Other events intervened, but it was crazy to see sort of down the page on the website, or sort yeah. of, uh, uh, you know, down not on the top half of a one of the newspaper. You know, we saw this week this bill move. It passed the passed the Senate, passed the House, and today Biden, uh, President Biden, signed. Bipartisan gun safety legislation, which no one thought was possible. People had, uh, I mean, well, obviously not no one. People worked towards it, but there was a lot of cynicism, much of it well-earned, that something substantive was going to be possible in the wake of, um, of, of, of the recent, um, the recent uh, uh, gun, the recent mass shootings that we've seen. But uh, the cynicism was proven wrong this time. We have we have substantive gun safety legislation that doesn't do everything, but will uh, will, as the sponsors of the bill said, save lives. 
Um, so what, what, you know, I think one point I want to make is, which I think we need to think about for our politics, like moving forward, which is there were so many who were deriding people who even suggested it was worth pursuing a bipartisan process. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, McConnell, there's no way McConnell will, will let it happen. Let it happen. He's a obstructionist through and through. You know this this narrative from the Obama years about McConnell as an obstructionist, which again isn't without merit. But like people have, you know, like people who read, uh, you know, Vox and you know have have. Um, who are sort of, you know, political hobbyists have taken it as a sort of like, uh, uh, as, as a fact of life that McConnell would never sort of, and Republicans in the Senate are never going to agree to a bipartisan bill, not just on gun rights, but, but anything. But of course, we're now in a session where bipartisan, uh, infrastructure bill passed we now have legislation on gun safety after a decade of failure uh that passed in this session i think biden deserves credit again we've been i've been very high on chris murphy i think chris murphy deserves credit and you have to give republicans credit you have to say if you were someone who said that that there's no possibility that 14 Republican senators, including Mitch McConnell, mm-hmm. would in good faith and in the face of significant criticism, you know, hold to their word and vote for this bill. Um, like you, 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 you gotta, you gotta admit, like you got egg on your face, and you gotta say, well. Maybe reevaluate some of your other assumptions. Maybe reevaluate. I mean, just over the last 36 hours, there's been so much more about, you know, Republicans will inevitably get rid of the filibuster. So it's dumb if Democrats don't uh, just get rid of the filibuster. Well, like a lot of the same people who are saying that were saying Republicans are never, never going to, you know, sign on to a gun safety legislation that every Democrat votes for. Like, they just won't let it happen. So, um, you know, I I think it was a hopeful thing. The last thing I'd say, Melissa, though, is Biden, for whom bipartisan accomplishments are so important and so central to his profile, and I think, like, so much a part of I would think the story they want to tell to the American people, but it doesn't seem like it when, as we've discussed on this show, the bipartisan infrastructure bill, they seemed ashamed uh, to um, to really take credit for that until months after it passed. Uh, and now with this, he signed the bill on a weekend. After speaking to the nation in prime time about passing gun safety, acting on gun safety legislation and the moral stakes involved and 
the fact that we had to do this and it was important for the country and the bill was signed in like obscurity today yeah i don't know why he didn't sign it on monday i just don't understand or you say well dobbs happened we need a bit more time like you have time like it's the same thing as the infrastructure bill. Why is there not a rose garden ceremony? Yeah, and and then the thing is, is that we heard, we read. I mean, you and I, we found all the articles from all of the insiders in the White House, folks complaining on the inside, saying, you know, why don't people understand how historical the infrastructure bill is, how important it is, that we're not getting enough credit for it. And it's kind of like because you seem ashamed of it. It's just like I think you just got to get a new marketing team. I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, it really isn't. Like, like, they're just not taking the steps one would take naturally if you wanted it to be one of the prime sort of things the average American knows about your administration. I don't, I honestly don't know. I have speculation, but I honestly don't know what's, I mean, you could still claim it as a Democratic accomplishment. Like, 30-whatever Republicans voted against the bill. Like, this isn't... If if it's really, like, political concerns, you don't want Republicans to get credit, yes, they'll get some credit for not obstructing everything, but that's... Like, like Biden could take ownership for... Like, you elected someone who said he was going to unify the country, work with Republicans where we could agree, and that's what I've done... It's it's just it's just bewildering um, uh, to me, and so now maybe maybe they did the signing, but maybe they're you know who knows? Like I'm I'm happy to revisit this next week if or at some point maybe maybe Biden maybe they did the bill signing, but they actually have in their eyesight. Uh, an event in Buffalo or an event um, in, you know, at Sandy Hook or in, in Florida or, you mm-hmm. know, like like yeah. maybe they have some something bigger in mind than a signing ceremony. But good, goodness, you, you need to take the wins when you can get them, <laughs> you know, like it, it, it's and they have they have real wins. So it's like, don't. <laughs> You need to trumpet this. I know there are other priorities. I know that some Democrats on the left aren't happy that it didn't have everything. You 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 got to take credit for what you can actually take credit for. Um. So, uh. So 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 yeah. But I am. We we've been really clear. We think it's a a significant thing for the country that this bill was advanced. That it's it's law. Uh. It would be a bigger thing if our politicians tried to actually build some momentum off of that as opposed to trying to build momentum off, again, the most divisive, polarizing, toxic issues in our politics, which they're always very quick to do. Mm-hmm. So... What what a week! We don't have time to talk about. Well, actually, this is this week to me. 
when Amy Coney Barrett was going through, and I, I, I got some heat from uh, from a lot of different folks um, on every side, you know. And this has been my approach, really, for Supreme Court justices, uh, justices generally, which I just can't get in our current political system. I can't get too invested or too excited about nominees from either president uh, because, in my perspective, a, a Christian approach to human dignity, a Christian approach to justice, uh, is divided by the judicial philosophy, the reigning judicial philosophies that we see. And so you know that a nominee who is likely to uh, rule in ways that give deference to workers, that uh, give deference to environmental protections, that give deference to uh, restorative justice uh, that they're likely going to be ruling in ways that are in my view not the right approach on uh, on religious freedom on abortion and you know that justices uh, that will use great rhetoric about human life and about religious freedom will, will in, in my view, you know, not sufficiently carry that into um, death penalty cases and not carry that into other cases. And so, you know, you, you just, um, it has been so frustrating for the Supreme Court to become this dichotomous, easy way of figuring out who you're going to vote for when actually in, in my mind, and I think in reality, uh, the, the actual work of the, the justices that a president is putting in is profoundly mixed. Um, I kept on trying to remind people, or I kept on reminding people, you, you know, the, the docket, for the courts is not 80% abortion cases. <laughs> you know, it's not 80% religious freedom. Like, they do other things. And so, I guess the last thing I put um, in, my, in, in the political statement, which, again, you'll be able to put, is like, you know, maybe, yeah, you know, we talked about the opportunity for sort of Democrats, for pro-life Christians, for, 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 for those who have been um, single-issue voters. Maybe, maybe Dobbs provides the opportunity for you to reevaluate your priorities when you go to the ballot box. Maybe it gives you an opportunity to reassess whether um, because of Dobbs, because this issue is Turn back to the states. Now, yes, like the, 
There's always the potential for further federal action, but I would argue before single issue voting was not warranted. And I think this is a good time to reassess in this environment, given these new facts and the new landscape, whether um, whether maybe you take a different approach to assessing the needs of your community, the needs of our politics, than uh, using um, using abortion as uh, a, a litmus test issue. Melissa, any final thoughts for this episode? No, I don't have final thoughts. I yeah. think we need to let things shake out a bit. We'll let them. We'll let them shake out. Uh, again, check the check the show notes. Um, we on Saturday we published curated uh, responses to Dobbs. We'll continue to um, include responses in the political brief on Monday um, and as necessary. Um, really proud of the coverage that we've we've done this week, both on the morning five and through uh, through through what we've published. Um, and uh, uh, really thankful for the support so many of you have uh, offered to us to where is the love to the morning five to the newsletter at reclaiminghope.substack.com and would encourage you to to share it and let others know if our work has been meaningful and helpful to you. Um, and with that, we'll uh, we'll land the plane. We'll uh, uh, we'll close out this episode. Thank you for listening. This has been Where Is the Love? Bye.